begin a new series. Uh, we're going to spend five weeks talking about this ideal of don't play church, be the church. Um, that's the premise of what our next five weeks will be. What, what's, what's amazing is in the middle of these five messages that I, I have prepared for this, in the middle of that is our church celebrating 100 years of being a church. And so I thought it was just an amazing thing that it worked out that way. Um, so we'll get to celebrate that. But the whole series is just examining this idea of what does an authentic church look like? What does an authentic church look like? Um, I, I, was, I was watching this thing one time, and they were talking about counterfeit money. And uh, they were talking about how big of an issue it is. And, and obviously it is. If somebody hands you that, are you able to detect it? And, and so they were talking to a guy who was an expert in this. And they said, how do you know that it's a counterfeit uh, bill? I mean, do you examine every type of counterfeit? And he said, no, when we train people, we train them to examine the authentic one. And when they know the authentic one, they can easily spot a fake. And that's what we're doing as a church. We're going to, these next five weeks, we're going to see what an authentic church looks like. Because when people walk in our doors, they will make the determination right away if this is an authentic church or if this is a fake church. I want this to be an authentic church. And so that's what we are going to work towards. You know, when we talk about what an authentic church looks like, um, a few weeks ago I read a, a verse to you out of Acts, and I want to read it again. It's in Acts chapter 2. Um, it's right after Peter preaches a sermon, um, right after Pentecost, and, and people are being converted. And so in this we have the formation of what we know to be the Christian church right out of this, out of this message. And, and so we have the, the description of what the first authentic Christian church looked like. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So over the next five weeks, this will be the foundation of what we talk about. This is an authentic church. How do we model that? Um, let's pray. God, thank you this morning uh, for what you have already begun doing here. God, that you've already pricked our hearts God, you've begun speaking to our lives. And Lord, we ask that that not stop in this moment. But God, you continue that forward. Lord, that you continue to speak into our lives. God, you continue to mold us into the church that you've called us to be. God, as uncomfortable as it may, may make us feel. God, as awkward as it may seem. Lord, we would just follow you with complete abandon. Lord, I pray for each and every person here today. God, as you have brought them here in your complete sovereignty to speak into their life today. No coincidence that, he, that who, who is here is here today. And so God, whatever you have for their life, we pray today that you flow freely amongst these people and you accomplish your will. We love you and praise you and we ask these in Christ's name. Amen. You know, uh, today I want to talk about connecting relationships. Um, I want to talk about what it means to connect relationships. And, and I don't know about you, but when I think about connections, uh, there's a toy that comes to my mind. And that's Legos, right? 
when you think about connecting, you think about Legos. And Legos are, are one of the top grossing toys of all time. As a matter of fact, they're number four in the world of all time toys of, of grossing. Uh, I had no idea, but, but Legos began 83 years ago in Denmark. And, and it was a man there who was... Uh, just laid off from a manufacturing business, and he decided that he was going to build toys for his kids, and he wanted to build toys that his kids liked. And so he built these Legos, and when he built them, his kids loved them, and he just began manufacturing them. And over the years, some things had changed, but in 1959, Legos as we know it became what it is. As a matter of fact, if you took a Lego from 1959 and paired it with a Lego today, they would actually interlock together because they made a universal system at that time. It's an incredible thing. So these Legos are all about connection. As a matter of fact, the word Lego is a Danish word which means play well. So they play well together. They connect with each other well. Well, I want to give you some ideas of how large of an industry this is. In 2013, over 560 billion Lego parts have been produced in history. That's a lot. Um, and then uh, Lego is, is the largest producer of rubber wheels. They produce more than Bridgestone, Goodyear, and all other car types. Every year, Lego produces more rubber uh, products than all of those places. Uh, if you stretched out all the Legos sold last year and stretched them all out across the world, it would wrap around the world 18 times. It's incredible, right? There are seven Lego sets sold every second. And so at the end of this message, there will be hundreds and hundreds of Lego sets that have been bought. And then in 2000, Lego was named the toy of the century. I don't know if you've ever seen, but people can do some incredible like, uh, sculptures and stuff with these. My family and I were at Legoland recently, and, uh, and, and there's this little driving course that kids can do. And, and as, as we were waiting, they had this like replica-sized Ford Mustang that makes the noises and everything sitting out in front. And so while you're sitting waiting for your turn to go, they, they're showing the video of how they put this thing together. And it's an incredible thing, and it takes a lot of man hours and a lot of people, and, and the thing weighs thousands of pounds. I mean, it's more than what you could even imagine when you're looking at it. And, and I remember, though, as I'm watching the building, building of this car, I thought to myself, man, to simply understand how to build something of this magnitude it starts with just connecting one to the other. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I look at other churches, and sometimes I go, man, I wish we were this church. Man, I wish we were this church. And when you break down what that church is, the simplicity of what it is, it's just one person connecting to another. As a matter of fact, that's what the church is. If we were to examine Acts chapter 2 again, you would see that there is no mention of a building. They mention two different types of building, homes, and they mention the temple. But those weren't places that they necessarily gathered. The church was actually the people. And the people began by connecting with one another. And so today I want to examine that idea. What does it mean to be the church? Like, I don't want to just play church. I want to be the church. That means that we have to connect with one another. So we're going to talk about connecting relationships. If you have your Bibles, I would also love for you to turn over to uh, Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Um, the same principle that we read in Acts chapter 2, you're going to see Nehemiah lead in that capacity here. Um, when I say Nehemiah chapter 1, immediately you probably think Nehemiah wrote the book, but he didn't. There's a man named Ezra who was a priest at that time, and, and Ezra and Nehemiah kind of worked together 
um, Nehemiah on the political side, Ezra on the spiritual side, and, and Ezra was the one who, who wrote this book and the book prior to that, Ezra. Uh, and they give you two kind of perspectives really on the same things that are unfolding. And so Nehemiah chapter 1, I just want to read verse number 3. I would encourage you, I think the first seven chapters covers what we're going to talk about today. So I would encourage you to read it on your own. But I just want to read uh, verse number 3 to kind of set the tone for what we're going to talk about. Nehemiah 1.3, And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. I want you to remember that verse as we talk. To give you the background to this, King Nebuchadnezzar had led a great um, a charge against the people of Israel, and he destroyed them. This is the 70 years that we read about the Israelites being in, in Babylonian captivity. And not only did they kind of destroy the people, uh, but they went in and they destroyed their city. And they set their walls on fire, and essentially what was left was just the ruins of a former city. Well, they kind of moved out of that area, and they were beginning to kind of come back to the city. And so Ezra decided that he wanted to lead this reconstruction of the temple. And so Nehemiah, who is not actually living present there, he actually is working in a pretty high office for the king of that time. Nehemiah gets wind of this. And Nehemiah says, man, they can't rebuild the temple if they don't have walls to protect it. And so Nehemiah goes to God, and he begins to pray to God, God, what, what can I do, what can I do? And God gives him the release to go, and, and then he goes to the king, and he says, I, I want to go do this. And the king not only allows him to go, he blesses him, he appoints him as the governor over this project, and he also gives him some of the tools that he'll need to make sure the walls are rebuilt. And what Nehemiah does is something incredible over the next few weeks, next few months. Nehemiah shows up into town, and Nehemiah waits three days quietly, kind of observes things, and after his waiting period is over, he kind of inserts himself as the leader. And Nehemiah says to them, we'll never be able to rebuild a temple if we can't rebuild the wall. And so Nehemiah organizes this phenomenal plan where he takes every single person, and he says, half of you will be building, and half of you will be soldiers. And you can imagine the complaint of some of the people, I'm not a soldier, I'm this. And he said, no, everybody's going to be willing to fight, and everybody's got to be willing to build. If we're going to build the wall back. And so over the next 52 days, they do what many people thought was impossible. They rebuild the walls. Now, when I hear them talk about rebuilding the walls, I don't know about you, but instantly to my mind comes like a, like a picket fence type of wall, right? You think, well, yeah, I could do a four-foot wall in 52 days. But what they built was a wall that stretched the length of two and a half miles around the city that was somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 feet high and 8 feet wide. That's an incredible wall that they built around the city, right? Because you had to remember, this had to be the protection to make sure that no one were gonna, that was going to come back in and destroy your temple again. And so they built this in 52 days. It was such an incredible feat that they accomplished that the people who were on the outside watching it, they looked at it and said, Wow, we can't attack them because it's obvious that God's power is with them. And so they refused to attack them because they worked in unity together. What we find after that is, is that revival breaks out. Ezra begins to pray to God and people begin to return back to the land. Revival breaks out and God does some incredible things. When I, when I look at this story, I think, 
how crazy is it to think that this could ever happen? But what Nehemiah understood was the greatest principle to build a structure, the greatest principle to rebuild a people is connectedness. He knew that if I can get everybody to work together and I can get everybody to just interlock together, we can do something incredible. My hope this morning is that that same principle resonates with you, is that you can understand that if if we can just interlock ourselves together, that God can do some incredible things through us. Actually, actually bummed this for my kids. This is my kids' Legos. And so I uh, actually was building something, and uh, I spent two hours last night trying to build something, and I, didn't, I wasn't even a third of the way done. I was like, all right, I'm just going to take Legos that aren't put together, and it'll still make sense, hopefully. And so anyhow, I took all my kids' Legos, and uh, I did it. But, but the reason I wanted to do it is because I want to show you something pretty cool. Uh, if, if you reach into a Legos, if you bought a box of Legos, whatever the case may be, if you have Legos, what you're going to find is they're all different in their own way, right? So, like, I just grabbed a handful of them, and, and here's a weird one. I don't know what it does. It looks like a weapon or something, but it, it, goes, on, it goes on to a thing. And, and then there's a, there's a skinny one, and this is why I can't, it took me so long to build last night, because I don't even know what they do, but, but here's a skinny one, and it's brown, and then there's a white one that makes an arch, and, and then there's a, a little red one that is circular, and, and then we found a, a black one that has, where you can hook something into it, and it can hang on it, and, and then we have a, a, a wide brown one. What I'm telling you is, I can reach in here, and there'll be an eclectic group of Legos in my hands, some big, some small. All of them doing different functions. Some of them a certain color. Other ones different colors. I mean, there's just an eclectic group. But I can tell you this with complete assurance. If I began to take all of these and I started interlocking them together and I started building something, I could build a beautiful masterpiece of all these different parts that seemingly shouldn't go together. Think about a church. If I started gathering some of you up, you go, well, I'm too small. I'm not going to, in God's eyes, I'm too small. I can't do that. Or you may go, no, 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 that's beneath me. I got something else to do. Or you may go, I'm not, I'm not qualified or I'm, I'm not the right age. I'm, I'm not the right this. I'm not the right that. But here's the cool thing about what God does. God reaches in the Lego bag of our people and he says, that's cool. You can do this. You can do that. I will just interlock you guys together and I can build an incredible church. And that's the principle of connecting relationships, is that God takes us, even though we have our own uniqueness and our own giftedness, and God takes us and he connects us together and builds something incredible. Make no mistake that Nehemiah wasn't the reason that the wall was built. Nehemiah was just one of the Legos that God chose. He said, I'll take this guy from, from Persia and he'll be able to do it. And you know what, I'll take this Ezra guy and let him be get all the spiritual people, and, and then I'll let Nehemiah convey to all the families. And God took all these unique people with different skills and different talents, and he put them all together. And once they realized, if we connect to one another, we can accomplish what this task is, they did something that the enemies thought, this is impossible, God had to do it. No, God empowered them, but because of their willingness to connect with one another was why they did it. Today, if, if we really want to do the things that we say we want to do, if we really want to impact our community, if we really want to engage the kids of our community, we really want to see people who are broken come to Christ. We want to see people who are hopeless, addicted, struggling with different things. We want to see them come to know who Jesus is. You know what it means? We have to be willing to connect to one another. 
I, I may be different than you. We, we may connect together and go, if I could choose a different Lego, I would rather have that. That's okay. It doesn't mean that our Legos are always going to be a perfect match. But what it does mean is that we're willing to interlock with each other and say, if it means that you and I have to lock arms together to make sure that this community is reached, then I want to lock arms with you because I want to see these people reached. That's the incredible part of connecting relationships, and that's exactly what Nehemiah did. That's exactly what Peter did when he preached this message. And then Peter got down, and if you notice, it said people started committing themselves to the apostles' teaching. People started uniting with one another. They began to go to each other's houses, and they began to fellowship. And, and what was happening in that moment where people were becoming connected together, people who come from a Gentile background, people who came from a Roman background, people who came from a, a Jewish Education, people who came from no education, people who were a little darker than others, people who were a little lighter than others, people who smelled a little different, acted a little different. All these people began to connect together and God formed this church that literally changed the world. And if God can do that countless times in our scripture, then I believe that God can do that with us. That God can take us, and though we may act a little different, and look a little different, and talk a little different, and dress a little different, and smell a little different, and, act, and, and, and be different in age, and different in attitude, if, if, if we will allow it, God will interlock us together, and we will change a community. Amen. But Nehemiah laid out what that actually looks like. I mean, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. Like, I could give you the rally cry this morning and go, Hey, let's, uh, let's interlock together. You can go, yeah, what does that even mean? I want to interlock, but how does that start? And so Nehemiah kind of showed us the progression to impact and change a country, and, and that's what we're going to do right now. The, the first connecting relationship that Nehemiah had that has to be had in our life is he connected with God. Nehemiah looked at the situation, saw there was a need, knew that the need needed to be met, but instead of running to the rescue with no plan, the first thing he did is he connected with God. In order for us as a church, as a person, uh, as a community, in order for us to move forward, in order for us to do incredible things, in order for us to be everything that we dream, hope, and desire to be, it must first start with us connecting with God. Make, make no mistake about it. I, I wish I could say, if everybody would just connect to me, I will lead us there. But that's not the case. I mean, I, I try my hardest to always be obedient to God's leading. But I'm human, and there's times that my own personal desires get in the way. But here's one thing that's never failed, and it's God. And so if we know that, then every one of us should have the same mentality. Let's connect to God. You're probably saying, well, what does that even mean? That's such a broad thing. Well, thank you for asking. Connecting with God is first illustrated through prayer. Connecting with God is first illustrated through prayer. Right? Nehemiah showed us that. Nehemiah went to God first. Before he went to the king, before he went to anyone else, he said, God, what do I do here? You may be sitting here this morning and go, I don't know how to help the church, but I want to help. Then I would encourage you to hit your knees in prayer and go, God, what can I do? I'm looking at the temple, and if somebody doesn't intervene, it's going to be destroyed again. God, what can I do? And I can assure you that God will begin to work in your life and begin to show you what connecting relationships actually look like. But it first starts with connecting with God. I don't know about this. How many times has this ever happened to you? Somebody say, hey, I got this going on in my life. Will you pray for me? And you go, okay, yeah, I got you. And then next time you see him, you go, I never even prayed for that situation, right? 
Uh, that happens, hopefully, a lot. I know it happens to me more than I, than I, I would like. And so what, what I've gotten in the habit of doing is, in order to connect their need with God, I just connect it right away. Somebody comes to me and they go, Hey, I'm, I need prayer for this in my life. Instantly, I go, God, I, I just lift them up to you. We call them popcorn prayers. I've talked about it before. It's where, boom, you just pop it up and, and you do it. And, and so that's what I do. But prayer can be a very intimidating thing because most of us are like, we hear eloquent speakers and, and, and prayers, and, and thankfully you're not spoiled by that here, but you hear it, and you hear people do these prayers, and you're like, oh, I know God is just enamored with the poetry coming out of their mouth. But I don't believe that God is. As a matter of fact, some of the prayers that God responds to are very simplistic conversations where somebody says, God, I don't know what to do. It wasn't, oh, Elohim, God of our fathers. No, they just go, God, I don't know what to do. Please help me. We find that that passion and brokenness before God is what he comes running to. Connecting relationships, looking at a need and going, God, I need you in this moment. Connecting with God. The next thing that Nehemiah did, he connected with God. And the next one that he connected with, he connected, he had his second connecting relationship was with his people. Nehemiah connected with God. God gave him the game plan. He left uh, Persia, went over to Jerusalem, and decided, okay, I got to connect with my people first. Now, we would understand this, understand this as the church. But he goes and he says, I got to connect with my people. And so he who had been gone for all this time comes back and he begins to speak. And there's no doubt that people knew who Nehemiah was. And he was probably somebody that most of the Jews looked upon and said, man, he made it in life. He'd done it. He's got that promotion that we all wanted. Nehemiah had a really great job. And he left that. And so I imagine him showing up going, hey, I want to be the one that leads us building this walls back. Because what Ezra has in mind is phenomenal. But the moment we get it built, there's enemies watching us that will just come in and destroy it again. They know how powerful God is. And so they don't want us to do this. So let's build a wall. And so as he went in, he began to connect with his people. And that connection of people gave them a game plan. And that game plan gave them uh, kind of the, the, the function of what they formed here in this chapter. We understand it in our church context as connecting with people in this church. Right? We connect with God through prayer, and then we connect with each other. We do that on Sunday mornings. We do that at Sunday school. We do that on Wednesday nights. We do it on Sunday nights. We connect with each other. And that's what really connecting relationships is all about. It's because I want to know how to fight with you, but i got to be connected to you to understand it, Right? Like, I understand what my wife is going through because her and I have conversations about it and we're connected and we go through stuff together and there's times that I can step in and fight for her because we're so connected. And that's how God expects a church to function. He wants all of us to be so connected that I know even without you telling me that you're going through something and I just go, I don't know what you're going through, but I want to pray for you. It's connecting relationships. It means that we have to connect with each other. And, and the last connected relationship Nehemiah made was those outside the wall. If we sincerely want to impact our community, we have to connect with God as a person, connect with each other as a family, and then we connect with those outside of our walls to make sure that they know this is a safe place they can come. When Nehemiah completed the wall, and word began to spread about how this incredible thing had happened over 52 days. It was impossible. God's power must have done it. When, when, when all of this story unfolded, 
many of the Jews who were in exile began to make their journey back. They thought, man, what an incredible thing. We don't want to go live there again because we don't think that we're going to be able to be safe. But they heard that there was a wall that was constructed. The temple was going back up. Revival was breaking out. And they said, i got to go and see what this new place is all about. When we connect with God, He stirs something in our souls. When we connect with each other, He stirs a buzz in our church. And when we walk out these doors and we start connecting with people, they begin to talk, go, I don't know what's going on at that church, but I know that I have to go find out what it's all about. I've been in exile for many years. I didn't want to go back to church. I didn't feel like it was a safe place for me, but I'm hearing them talk about this church, and I go, I have to go connect with them. See, I want this to be a safe environment where people can come, and it doesn't matter what they have going on in their life. We're just here to love them. God's going to make whatever decisions and judgment in their life based off of what He knows, which is more than I'll ever know, and so I can live with that. If all He asks me to do is love, I can do that. If he asks me to judge, I can't do that. I'm not, it's not fair. But he always asks us to do is love. And love outside of these walls. So many times the statement is made, and I'm saying here, I'm saying Christian in general. You hear this term is, I want to see revival. I want to see revival because we equate revival with week-long services, right? Um, and so people say, I want to see revival. And Nehemiah just showed us step-by-step step how to have revival. He's like, if you want revival, here you go. Pray to God. He's going to give you a plan. Take that plan and start connecting with people. All of you start fighting for the same thing. When God completes that in your life, guess what's going to happen? People are going to come in, and it's going to be just an organic uh, revival unfolding. This is what I'm asking you today. If we want to be the church, if we don't want to play church any longer, we want to be the church. We want people to walk in and go, this is an authentic place. And we got to start doing some connecting. Right? It means that my Lego may be different than your Lego, but we can still interlock together. You may have a different vision for this than I do, but that's what's so beautiful is God connects us together and makes that thing happen because both of us together is so much better. You know, we, we, we often talk about Solomon and his wisdom. He was the, the wisest man to ever walk our earth. Uh, and that was his desire. He requested that of God. And Solomon, who we know to be wise begins to unfold some things in Ecclesiastes. And he tells us in there, as he's talking about connections, he's talking about how one can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand, but a threefold cord, he talks about. And we hear this idea of a threefold cord, and we're like, what does that even mean? It was a principle taken from like a Jewish wedding. And they would say this. They would go, we're going to interweave you two together. And they would do it with a rope symbolically. And they'd go, but once you interweave God in there, this threefold, this threefold cord is not easily broken. When we begin to wrap ourselves around each other, and then we, God wraps his life and his blessing and his anointing around our church, he begins to do some incredible things that even the toughest devil in the world couldn't break us because God has something great. I believe God has something great for us, and I want us to connect with each other. I want us to connect with each other in fellowship outside of these walls. I want us to engage our community and start connecting with them. But it all starts with connecting with God. And this morning, that's my challenge to you, is to connect yourself with God. Let God do a full examination of your heart. Let Him look inside of you and determine if you're adequately following in Him in complete obedience. 
And if not, let him begin to root those things out of your life. Because when you connect to him, you connect with each other, people will become connected to our church. We won't be talking about the empty seats. We'll be talking about how do we get more seats in here? How do we, what do we do to, to get uh, extra, to place, extra space for people? And, and, and I believe that's where God, I know that's where God is leading us. Let's pray, God. Thank you this morning for your connection to us. Now that even as faulty as we are, God, it seems like we're so unusable from time to time that you still love us and use us. But this morning, God, unless we're willing to be connected to you, there's nothing that can happen in our lives. So this morning, God, I pray for each and every person here. God, maybe someone's here this morning who has struggled with what it means to connect with you. God, they struggle with what a connected relationship to God looks like. But this morning, you've called us to connectedness first to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you that chance this morning. If you're here and you go... I want a connection in relationship, but I know it's not going to happen unless I first connect to God. And the beautiful thing this morning is God is ready to run to you and connect immediately to your life. And in that connection, he's going to do some incredible things. In just a moment, praise team is going to be singing an altar song. I'm going to be down front. If you want to come and experience connecting with God, or maybe you just want to come find a place at the altar and go, God's got to work with me on connecting relationships, I want you to know that this altar is going to be open for that very thing.